Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the All Rise Podcast, produced by Gonzaga University School of Law. I'm your host, Ryan McNeese. I'm a proud alumnus of GU Law, where I obtained my Juris Doctorate and MBA. I'm a lawyer and business owner in the Spokane community. In this season of the All Rise Podcast, we are reflecting on the theme of Go Forth, inspired by the St. Ignatius of Loyola quote, Go Forth and Set the World on Fire. However, during the recording of many of these episodes, we weren't going very far physically because of safety measures in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Regardless, we felt that now, more than ever, we needed to connect with our community. Many of these interviews were recorded using Zoom and similar technology, and we apologize for the audio quality. Today, we hear from faculty Drew Simshaw sharing his insights on teaching first-year courses as well as what the future of lawyering might look like. So I'm uh, Drew Simshaw. I started at the law school uh, this fall as an assistant professor. And uh, going forward, I'm going to teach um, a number of classes. Uh, This year, I really enjoyed teaching a class called Legal Research and Writing. Uh, which I like to describe as, you know, if your other first year classes are teaching you to think like a lawyer, legal research and writing teaches you how to be a lawyer, how to actually put those skills uh, to use. So, uh, so in the first couple of classes, that means understanding different sources of law, synthesizing information, um, being able to communicate with a legal audience through documents like office memos. Uh, and then in later courses, building on those analytical skills and mastering uh, techniques to advocate on behalf of uh, a client before a decision maker, like a, like a judge or a jury. So I really, really love teaching, um, teaching that class, uh, especially to first year students. Um, and another class I look forward to teaching is um, professional responsibility. So the uh, legal profession really is unlike any other in the, the power that we have um, in society to shape policy, to advocate for clients. And um, with great power comes great responsibility. So we have an obligation to, um, to do right by our clients, to um, be ethical members of the justice system and the legal community. And uh, in the coming years, you know, I think the, just, the, the justice gap, um, lawyers increased reliance on technology. A lot of the ways that the profession is changing um, is going to present some really fundamental moral and ethical challenges. So um, with prof- the professional responsibility course, I'm... Um, uh, you know, I think it's really important to prepare the next generation of attorneys uh, and advocates to navigate those challenges um, with a strong ethical compass. So I'm really excited to be at Gonzaga um, uh, and to teach these and, and other courses. Yeah, that's really interesting that, you know, you talk about how important it is to really get those skills early on and really understand what it means to be um, a lawyer in terms of just the application and the research. I mean, what do you find, like, what's the feedback like from students in a course like that? You know, is there so much that they didn't expect or is it anticipated? Like, how do they tend to respond to that kind of information? It's a lot to take in at first, you know, Uh, uh, students are becoming uh, in the legal research and writing class, students are really being ushered into the legal discourse community and learning a new language. Um, so uh, a lot of times, depending on sort of a student's background, the challenges are going to be a little different. Um, sometimes people got used to communicating in a different way in their um, undergraduate studies and sort of learning this new system of, uh, you know, writing with different types of citations and pulling from different types of authorities and 
presenting information in a way that a legal reader is going to um, anticipate and understand and be appreciative of is a completely different um, way of learning. So the learning curve is steep, but it's really exciting to see uh, the progress from day one until the end of the course and see students come out of the course um, being more comfortable communicating in this new language um, and being able to accomplish the things that they wanted to coming into law school, um, which in a lot of cases is being able to help a client through a challenging situation or or uh, advocate before a, a decision maker for a policy that you feel really strongly about. So um, it's really, um, really exciting and really rewarding to, to see that, that progress and see all that hard work pay off. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, we have a, you know, a couple of questions we'll probably go through that, that might bring us back to this point um, or we'll circle around back to them. But is that something that drew you to becoming a professor? Was that idea of being able to um, see that recognition in students of their, like the aha moment, that hard work? I mean, I know we, in higher education, it, it's interesting that there's learning moments throughout the whole process. And sometimes I think we're really almost, um, we get too, we're almost really used to it. We don't always see it. And so I'm curious yeah. if you know what your thoughts are on that particular, you know, recognition of those moments. Yeah, I think back to, I mean, I think back to what drew me to law school. And like a lot of people, I, you know, I wanted to help people. And uh, I was working in Everett, Washington at the time, and I, I this always stood out in my mind. I was reading an obituary of a long time Everett lawyer who was known to say throughout his career that, that becoming a lawyer was the best decision he ever made because he got to understand how the world worked. And that always stuck with me. Um, and I knew that I'd be in a better position. Um, and I think something a lot of law students can identify with is that they'll be in a better position to help people if they understand how the world uh, works. So I think that lawyer was, was absolutely right. And um, a legal education allowed me to have a rewarding career um, advocating on behalf of public interest organizations, um, advocating for better communications and technology laws and regulations at federal agencies and in federal courts and fighting for a system where um, technology empowers rather than marginalizes under, um, rather than marginalizes underrepresented communities. It was, it was what was really important to me. And uh, I, think, I mean, I'm excited to continue that work through my teaching and my service and my research and, and scholarship in academia and to help students um, develop the skills um, uh, that they need in order to go out and make that change that they want to make in the world. You know, you're talking a little bit about that um, communication and technology. I'm curious how you got to that point. I mean, the world of law is really there's a lot of depth and breadth, right? <laughs> and I'm, you know, and so it's really fascinating to me as I'm talking with people, I'm like how they arrived where they did. Walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. So after my undergraduate studies, I did um, two terms of service in AmeriCorps working with at-risk youth in, in Everett, Washington um, at the local government level. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I found was so impactful in the lives of, of youth and especially at-risk youth was um, the opportunities and the challenges that technologies uh, presented. You know, on the one hand, technologies were, um, you know, a really uh, uh, important avenue for communicating, for connecting with resources, um, for, for getting engaged in the community. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, technologies can often present a lot of challenges for, for marginalized communities. And, uh, and coming out of that experience, I really just saw the, the power that technology had. So I went into, you know, I went into law school, um, really wanting to understand, understand how the system can, can, you know, be, be guided in a way that, that takes advantage of those opportunities and fosters those opportunities for people and, and minimizes the, the, the challenges um, that, that, that it can present sometimes. So, you know, law school really helped me understand how to navigate that world. And coming out of law school, I actually had the opportunity to work at an interdisciplinary center um, at Indiana University, where I got to work with um, a lot of computer scientists and non-lawyers um, who knew a lot about these emerging technologies and, and um, that, that interdisciplinary work um, I found really, really interesting in, in sort of, you know, uh, communicating with non-lawyers and understanding the way they saw the world, the way they, they perceived challenges and opportunities um, and being able to, to research and write with some roboticists and people really interested in artificial intelligence um, gave me a great sort of um, foundation for then, um, you know, going to Washington D.C. and, and advocating on behalf of um, public interest organizations to, um, uh, to to create a fairer and uh, and more just set of of laws and, and regulations in the country with regard to technology. So, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, as a as a layperson, right, as somebody who's not practicing law, what does that look like? You know, what are some of those things that I should be thinking about along these lines when it comes to technology and communication and the law and what that means for communities, particularly communities that are historically underrepresented. Yeah. I mean, technology uh, really does touch all our lives more and more um, every day, including some ways that, that uh, we don't know about and that we don't understand. Um, there's a lot of opportunities with, with technology. Um, you know, better connectivity with each other. I think we're seeing that um, uh, more and more as we respond to the, to the pandemic and, and the challenges that that's presenting across the country and across the world right now, that connectivity that technology can, can enable is really powerful. Um, technology grants us better access to, to information um, in a lot of cases and can, can fuel scientific and medical advances. Um, and, you know, one area that I'm particularly interested in is the ways in which technology can increase access to justice, connect people with legal services, and help lawyers do their jobs better. Um, but there's a lot of challenges that are associated with, with these same technologies, and I think they're challenges that lawyers are going to be central in helping their clients understand and in helping lawmakers and decision makers understand um, challenges with access. You know, not everyone has the same access to technology and can take advantage of all these benefits. Um, there's often you know, what we call a disparate impact on some communities when we're relying on um, data and we're over relying on sort of what information tells us about the past as opposed to what we should be doing going forward and what the best policy is going forward. Um, a lot of times we have bad data. And so if we over rely on it, we're just going to be perpetuating the things that that bad data uh, reflects. And there's also privacy um, concerns. Uh, and, and so I think lawyers are going to play a central role in not only empowering and, and protecting individual clients, um, whether they know about these, these challenges or not, um, but also in shaping policy and navigating the you know, ethical and moral dilemmas that we're going to face in the communities. It really starts to open a new conversation and a new world about 
the role of policymaking in our society, particularly as technology continues to, I mean, unbelievable amounts of evolution have occurred just in the last 15 years. And we're almost in a time right now where, oh my goodness, we need to start we need to start catching up with the with the speed and the pace that this change is occurring. And I think that's an interesting challenge for the next generation of lawyers to try to tackle. And yeah, I, I love that because in so many ways, the challenges presented by communications and technology laws um, challenge us to do exactly what we teach students to do in law school, which is take, take these laws from the past and these rules that were created for something in the past and anticipate how those will apply to uh, the future. Um, how is that precedent going to impact uh, the lives of people going forward? And in the case of communications and technology, right, a lot of our laws were written pre-internet, you know, even, even further removed from things like robotics and artificial intelligence that we're starting to see impact the world. So, so being able to, um, to apply those laws and think critically about how to change those laws in a way that will better serve um, the underlying policy and the and the things that we as a society want to achieve going forward um, is a is a in, in ways a monumental task and in ways a you know a challenging task that um, uh, that law school will prepare uh, you know prepare the next generation of lawyers to play a critical role in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the application. I think stepping back, you know, a little from the, from your specific focus, but just thinking about the law and the accessibility to the law and how it applies so broadly in our communities, it really reemphasizes that need for students at an undergraduate level to have sort of that foundation, that rooted foundation and what has occurred in the past and that application that can be taken with them into the future. And I think that's something that's interesting about the work you're doing and other professors are doing here at Gonzaga School of Law is that application to the environment, that application to civil rights, that application to um, health technologies. And you know what that looks like is amazing, I think, in, in terms of, of a student's capacity to be interested in a particular subject area and recognize the value that the work, the public policy work plays in that. Um, And and so maybe that's like an outsider observation or maybe not necessarily an outsider, but newbies observation. But, you know, I feel like there's, that's like an untapped conversation. Anybody could find an application of the law in their daily life or in the work that they're doing. And I think there's value in trying to open that door a little bit. You're absolutely right. Um, so many of the, uh, so many of the biggest legal challenges that we face as a society are, have interdisciplinary solutions and lawyers, uh, can't go it alone. Um, we need uh, we need a dialogue between lawyers and scientists, between lawyers and um, critical theorists, between um, between lawyers and social science uh, uh, social scientists, um, because those those diverse perspectives and those different areas of expertise um, are can't be siloed. Um, it has to be have there there's have to, has to be an interdisciplinary approach to so many of these challenges. And one of the things I love about Gonzaga um, is that the law school is not siloed from the rest of the Gonzaga community, and Gonzaga is not siloed from the rest of um, the broader Spokane community. 
And there's so much that we can learn from each other. And even in just my first year here, I've been so impressed by the, um, by the uh, synergy with the rest of campus and in the interdisciplinary conversations that are taking place and that important dialogue. And I think that's a real benefit to students, a real benefit to the faculty research that's going on and ultimately a real benefit to the community. I think there's been an effort in higher education in general, but particularly here at Gonzaga to more deeply integrate the work that's going on around the campus. And I, and I do see the value of where that takes our students. You know, it, it provides, I mean, realistically, <laughs> the world we live in is not siloed anymore. There's so much interconnection and we probably have a lot of, you know, technology to thank for that. Um, but yeah, that deeply impacts the student experience and students that want to maximize their time here are going to find those hands-on opportunities and work interdisciplinarily to find the thing that they're passionate about. And so I think, you know, it's been, it's, it's really fascinating to watch that growth and, and witness some of that over this past spring, just as I've been here for, you know, only a very short period of time. I was curious, you know, talk a little bit about why you came to Gonzaga. Why, what brought you here? Because you were from Washington originally, but you were away for a while. Why did you come back? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, having grown up in the Northwest, I, I was really familiar with Gonzaga's reputation, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but around the country as just a really first class institution um, with, you know, with regard to the law school specifically. Um, I, I, I was really impressed with the school's commitment to preparing students to succeed in what really is a rapidly evolving legal landscape in the 21st century and its humanistic mission, its commitment to social justice, you know, serving in the public interest, increasing access to justice, um, are all commitments that really resonated with me. Um, being particularly interested in how technology is changing society and the law uh, and how lawyers practice, um, and particularly with regard to things like machine learning and artificial intelligence and the challenges and opportunities um, that those technologies are going to present for law students and lawyers. Um, it was really important for me to be at a place like Gonzaga that's, that's committed to fostering the development of not just the substantive knowledge needed um, to, to, um, to understand these issues, but also the practical skills and the ethical proficiency to navigate this, this uh, uh, complex ecosystem um, that is 21st century law practice. Um, so, so I was really drawn to um, the leadership at the school, um, the students, the type of student that the school um, uh, attracts who also have a, a commitment to those core values. Um, and then, as you mentioned, you know, the Pacific Northwest is home to me. Um, I was actually born in uh, Western Montana and then grew up in Vancouver, Washington before doing my undergraduate studies in Seattle. Uh, and working uh, and, and doing two terms of AmeriCorps service in Everett, Washington. So really did a tour of the state before, uh, a tour of the state and a tour of the region before heading east for, for law school and to practice. And having been around the country, um, you know, I, 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 just, I just know now that the Northwest is, and really have always known that the Northwest is, is the greatest region in the country. And, um, <laughs> I'm just so excited to be, um, to be in Spokane and, and calling Spokane. Yeah, I'm always excited when we when I get to show, you know, 
when a student who's not from around here gets to come and experience what we have here in the region, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing. So that's awesome. So yeah. tell us about, um, I wanted to kind of wrap things up on telling, having you tell us about a particular case that you find fascinating or particularly relevant to your work right now. And, um, it, and then maybe transitioning that a little bit into what you're currently working on. So what I'm really interested in right now is um, the emergence of uh, what are being called online legal services. So these are services like sometimes you see on advertised on television, like LegalZoom, um, uh, services that uh, that uh, that consumers can can get some help with their legal problems um, without necessarily uh, uh, having to hire a, a human uh, attorney. Um, there's a lot of you know potential benefits from these services in terms of reaching untapped markets, in terms of you know giving access to some form of legal services. Um, to to individuals that might not otherwise have any assistance, um, and uh, but 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 it's unclear where they fit into our current regulation of lawyers and the practice of law. So one thing I'm really interested in now is how different jurisdictions around the country are balancing sort of the need to increase access to justice and the opportunities that technology, um, including these services, um, can offer. And balancing that with the consumer protections and the need to ensure that um, that, that consumers are are um, receiving uh, quality uh, quality services and that um, and that these services are kind of integrated into um, uh, into the market in a way that's going to ultimately benefit um, consumers and those seeking legal services. Uh, so it's something that we're looking at uh, at the state level in Washington. Uh, and it's interesting observing the different approaches being taken around the country as uh, different jurisdictions uh, grapple with how to how to achieve that balance and how to ultimately um, benefit uh, the public and ensure that the legal system is one that everyone has access to. That's such a great area of interest because I think it is it's really impactful and particularly impactful, um, you know, yet younger generations were online shoppers, right? We're really used to accessing products and services online. And so it's sort of this natural leap, I think, for companies to say, oh yeah, absolutely. Like here's, here's a legal service that's mm -hmm. also, you know, you can, you can fill out a form and then bam, it comes to your door and you know, what, you know, you get to, no phone calls necessary, right? We're, we're allergic to using our phones, but <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think it's a really important thing for us to start talking about too, because there is that need to regulate it, as you mentioned, and it's something that could be easily abused and go sideways really fast. Right. Well, and in reality, you know, we're not, we're not facing a future where there's robot lawyers and human lawyers. I think that's a false dichotomy. Ultimately, I think what we're going to see is you know, lawyers increasingly integrating machine learning and artificial intelligence into their practice um, and other techno legal technologies um, in a way that hopefully ultimately improves efficiency, improves access, um, allows uh, lawyers to, to expand, expand their client bases, um, reach untapped markets, um, and there'll probably be some form of self-help. Uh, that that consumers can also can also seek for certain legal issues. Um, so ultimately, there's going to be you know an integration of technology in a way that that forces us to um, to uh, confront some some 
I think, serious challenges, but also embrace some, some real opportunities and some real potential. This conversation is reminding me a little bit of a, some similar situation where they took a robot proofreader of a contract and a human to go through through the same contract and identify errors in, in a certain amount of time. And it was really fascinating to see, you know, what the, you know, what the artificial intelligence could, could find within the document that was maybe misplaced or not correct versus the human lawyer. And, you know, that's an interesting, once again, it's that same thing you're talking about of like, how can we leverage this technology to help us be more effective and more efficient at our work, which I think is an ongoing conversation right now throughout a lot of different sectors versus you know, <laughs> the downside of it, which is it's less human. It, it is not, it's going to only know precisely what we've programmed it to know. It maybe doesn't recognize nuance quite the same way, you know, and, and honestly, like, I think there's a certain, like you said, like there's that human need for human lawyers. I don't know how much I would, if I was in a really bad situation, I would want to go talk to a robot about it. I'd prefer to have a person to talk with. And so, you know, maybe you probably have a, you most definitely have a deeper understanding of that notion, but it, you know, I think there's that evolution we're seeing of melding those two together more closely and what that looks like in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most effective lawyers in the future are going to be the ones that can, can utilize technology in a way that makes them better at the human aspects of lawyering. You know, if we can if we can increase our efficiency um, through the use of technology for certain parts of the lawyering process, uh, we might have more time to interact with our clients. We might have more time to uh, engage in those human aspects of lawyering uh, in a way that we weren't able to before. Um, but yeah, the the risk I think is then well, do we we want to avoid over relying on technology? And forgetting that there's people behind the numbers that we're feeding into these machines. And there's serious questions we need to ask about what those numbers represent and how we interpret the results of um, what machines are telling us. Um, so I think it's, it's a balancing and I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's important for the next generation of lawyers to be able to, to navigate those questions and to have an understanding of, of uh, you know, what is effective lawyering process, uh, what questions to ask about some of these services, uh, how to interpret the results. Um, uh, and I think, uh, and, and I think, you know, law, law school is going to be a really, uh, legal education is going to play a central role in making sure that the next generation of lawyers um, are able to navigate that system. You hit upon a point that I don't want to like let escape us. And that's that emotional intelligence and human part of the work. And I think this maybe talks a little bit about some of the things you were discussing in your, um, the coursework you were sharing with us earlier of, you know, what, how that, that's like an adjustment too, and, an, and a learning curve too, and how to work with clients effectively and support them in a way that is thoughtful and meaningful and impactful. As you know, there is that, there's that technology side that can really um, if you're not careful, <laughs> supersede that relationship component. I think we see that in our daily lives quite often. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that component and, and maybe how you work with your students to educate them about the, the expertise and the, the thoughtfulness that's required in being a good lawyer. Absolutely. Machines can't replicate human empathy. Um, 
And it's the critical thinking skills that we teach in law school that are going to be um, essential going forward in a profession that increasingly relies on technology. Um, uh, being critical about the ways that we rely on technology, um, making sure not to over rely on the status quo. Uh, you know, machines are really good at telling us what's happened in the past and how to maintain the status quo, um, how to rely on maybe past judicial decisions in order to um, predict an outcome in a particular case. Uh, but, you know, the way the pr profession moves forward, the way society moves forward is through challenging the status quo, um, through coming up with, with novel legal arguments. Uh, and machines, you know, in, in one way, in, in one sense, might be able to help us with that, um, might be able to free our minds up uh, in, in, in some ways and allow us to engage um, in more creative thinking, uh, unless we over rely on them, in which case it could actually stunt that creativity, could actually um, diminish that empathy. Um, I think one thing we need to, you know, not lose sight of is, is you know, are there, are there ways that technology cannot just make us better lawyers, but better people, you know, can we take some of this, can, can this efficiency be, be harnessed in a way that, that allows us to confront some of the challenges facing the profession um, uh, and allow us to become better people that are maybe more empathetic um, for our clients and, and more empathetic for, for parts of um, uh, society that will ultimately uh, benefit or be harmed, for, uh, be harmed by different policies. Uh, so, you know, technology can take us in any number of directions. And I think this generation of lawyers is going to play a really um, central role in, in steering us uh, down one path or another. This episode of the All Rise podcast was produced by Gonzaga University School of Law with assistance from our colleagues at Gonzaga Instructional Development and Design. A special thanks goes to our alumni and donors who continue to support our mission of providing an excellent legal education informed by our humanistic, Jesuit, and Catholic traditions and values. Did you enjoy this episode? Let us know. Give us a shout out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You know the troll. Or you can learn more about this podcast and us at law.gonzaga.edu. Thanks for listening and go Zags.